It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Jed Demusi, Local 12 sports producer, anchor, and reporter. We're going to look back at the Bengals and Steelers and all the fallout from uh, from the vicious hits and, uh, and, and the accusations flying back and forth and the NFL meeting out some discipline and then maybe not other discipline and just uh, the ramifications of that loss. Plus, we'll look forward to this Sunday's game against the Woeful Bears, maybe a soft landing spot for the Bengals. And, of course, our three-team, seven-point teaser of the week in which I'm making progress. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, Trust the process. Yes. Jed, I, I was asked this on a radio interview this week um, about the viciousness of that game. And, and I know some people have said, oh, you know, that's just the NFL it, it, it felt like it was more than that. It, I, I, I told the person, I said, I've, I try to be one of those guys. I crack wise occasionally in the press box and probably talk too much, but you know, I, you know, there's no cheering and all that. But there were literally two hits where I, I audibly, and I, I think some others, I think I heard them, I audibly said, oh! I mean, those hits, some of those hits were that, they, they made you react that way. Just first and foremost, I mean, Watching it, did did it feel as violent as it as it felt to me, or do you just go, you know what, that's just these teams and that's just this league this day? No, and I think I think Ben Roethlisberger said that after the game that this is just AFC North football, and I think he took a lot of criticism for that, rightfully so. And I think Lisa Salters even gave him an opportunity to sort of back up or you know retract yeah. those statements because you know at that time they didn't know if Ryan Chazier was going to walk again. I mean, they really didn't. They didn't know. I mean, they they knew that he was in the hospital and the, and the the prospects at that. And thankfully, he's gotten better and better and better. But you know, I think it's irres- I think it was irresponsible for Ben to say that right after the game. And I I don't think it's AFC North football. I think what we saw was a league that is continuing, despite what coaches say. Marvin Lewis has said it's it's gotten better. This is a league that is still scrambling to figure out how to make their players safe. Yeah, I just haven't seen. Look, growing up in the in the seventies and eighties, when there was some head hunting, there were some vicious hits. It was allowed. I still don't remember the catastrophic injuries like we have today. And again, that was a more violent, right. in theory, NFL. I mean, the players, and I'm not breaking new ground. The players have gotten really. They've gotten so much bigger, so much stronger, so much faster at every single position. That I think that, that that combined with the viciousness it just it, it leads itself to more catastrophic in, in injuries, and I I just don't know how you keep legislating around that. I mean, look, an occasional helmet to helmet hit is going to happen sometimes by accident, um, and I I can't determine intent. But right. I think George Iloka was trying to hit Antonio Brown in the helmet. I really don't. I think he was honestly trying to launch himself to break a pass up, um, and if he hit him helmet to helmet, so be it. Um, I, I think there's a there's a lot of those hits like that that that. That guys aren't the intent isn't going helmet to helmet because they know it that that's a penalty, but it just occurs in the in the course of play. I, I just I guess I, I struggle with the idea of how to legislate this. I know Troy Vincent talked about um, you know maybe maybe going to, to looking at the, the college targeting rule. I'm not a big fan of that because I can't. It's hard to for me to tell what, what is your intent. Right. I mean, occasionally, look if a guy spears Rob Gronkowski had intent. Okay. Right. There's no that that's cut and dry. That one's easy to yeah. make. Yeah. Cheap shot. Cheap shot. That was a complete cheap shot. But but in the course of a play, I can't determine intent all the time. Do I think Juju Smith Schuster's intent was to blow up Vontez Perfect? I do. I don't think he meant to go helmet to helmet, uh, and the taunt was way over the line. But I can't say his intent was 
to hit him in the helmet. I think his intent was to blow him up, and he did. And it was really, if he doesn't go helmet to helmet and taunt him, I would have told you I think that's a clean football play. Period. End of story. Yeah, and there's a lot to break down from what you said. And I think maybe the one thing that stood out from your time, the one hit was the Jack Tatum on Daryl Stingley Correct. hit. And there was a period of time where and he Ohio paralyzed, for those who don't know, he paralyzed Daryl Stingley. Yeah, yeah, he paralyzed Stingley. In a that, preseason game. And that was maybe the one where you go back and say it maybe was as violent, but but those were, were fewer and far between. And Ohio State, Tatum's an Ohio State grad. They used to, I don't know if they still do, but they had for a while the Jack Tatum hit of the week. I mean, Jim Trestle used to get up at the podium at press conferences and say, here was our, you know, here was our offensive player of the week, here's our Jack Tatum hit of the week, right. blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was it was glorified. And the league is now attempting to, Dave Lapham has said it on countless occasions, Marvin Lewis has talked about it as well. There used to be, not very long ago, if you bought... You know, a year's worth of Sports Illustrated, you got the NFL's biggest hits sure. on, on DVD. I still have those DVDs, right. man. I'm an old guy with, with VHS still in my house. This is this is a league that is trying to walk back and unring a bell that people have known. And, and I'm not saying people love the NFL because of those hits, but it's certainly a part of it. I mean, people. Yes, but but those hits now are just they're they're so violent. The collision right. of it, and, and I don't. But they're reaping what they sow because it right. was glorified for so right. long, and now they're attempting in in recent years to say, okay, wait, we, we're seeing this CTE stuff. We're seeing these players that are leaving the league, and 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 they're having some serious trauma issues. They're trying to walk this back. I just don't think that you, you know you're talking about how how to penalize, how to do this, how to do that. You can't penalize. It's it's going to be hard to legislate or police this when what you said about George Iloka, what Mike Mitchell said this week about Andy Dalton overthrew right. a pass. That's not my fault. And he was going to an area where where he didn't think Kyle Reifert was going to be or supposed to be. I think we all need to understand that this is never going to be a safe game. Correct. Based on what the referees pull out of their pockets, that's never going to be. The reason or the or way to make this game safe is there a way to make this game safe? Do we take their helmets off? Do they play without helmets? <laughs> Maybe, but even then, this is not a safe sport. And and guys, got you see it all the time. Guys say, if I would have known what I know now, would I have played in the NFL? They say 100. percent Guys know the risk. They know yeah, what they're up against, and, that, and they're still going to do it. But there's no way to take this out of football. And I guess that's what that was. That's going to put the ribbon on that. Is is should we be worried about finding ways to to fix this, legislate this, or just simply say, listen, you all go into a line of work for a reason, and there's risk factors and there are rewards. I mean, there's a reward for for this, but there's a risk. Um, Policemen and firemen have a risk. The reward is that that's what they want to do. That's obviously they went in that because they love that that line of work, and certainly we appreciate what they do every day. As a football player, no one at age 21 has put a gun to your head and said, or age 18 or whatever, and said, you must play football or we will ask. No. I mean, you've made a, a choice. Do I think that, that that there should be some some money set aside for possible, uh, you know, post-NFL issues? Yeah. Right. I think there should be. And I think now we're seeing that, look, a lot of these guys are coming out with some issues. Make sure we find a way to take care of them. I think that's absolutely right. But no one is forcing you to, to, to do this. I think it it, it's, it sucks. It, it's There's it, it, a great story. In fact, I was looking at some stuff on, on the Chicago Tribune because the Bengals are playing the Bears this week. Story on former player and former broadcaster Mike Adamley, 
who has the early, has early onset of CTE, and it's a you read the story, it is really Mike Adamley. Yeah, really, really sad. The guy that was on American Gladiators. That guy, exactly right. He had a cup of coffee with the WWF as well. That did not go as well. I don't, I don't, I don't, right. I don't remember that. He had part. a cup of coffee with the with the WWF. Anyway, I didn't, I did not yeah. see that. So I mean, it, 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 it's it's there's probably a lot more players than we even know. Um, I, I just don't know how you legislate it out of it. it. It's a it's a physical rough game. Period. End of story. I, I look again. If if you can tell me when Rob Gronkowski does what he does, that's a penalty. That, that's easy. That's a penalty, man. I, that that is absolute intent. I get the fact that you're trying to keep guys from leading with their helmet. Okay, you want to keep throwing flags on that, but I don't know what else you can do. I don't, I don't think George Iloka deserved a suspension. I don't. I think he deserved a fine because that's a finable foul. Right. He got. He's gonna. He's gonna get fined forty six thousand dollars for that hit. Right. But I don't think he deserved a suspension because I don't know what his intent was. Neither does the referee. Neither does the NFL. George Iloka might know his intent. His intent might have been to hurt Antonio Brown. It may have also been, I'm just trying, he said after the game, I was just trying to knock the ball loose. Could be BS. I don't know that. I can't prove that. Neither can you. Neither can a Steelers fan. No, no. And I think, I think Iloka, you've talked to him 10 times more than I have. He doesn't, he, he doesn't seem to me the type of guy that would do that intentionally. But again, in, in this rivalry, who knows, and, and it, it gets worked up and, and, and things happen. But, you know, I would agree with you. The, the college targeting thing, you know, a couple of years ago, what was that? The uh, the Notre Dame Ohio State game in the Fiesta Bowl, where Joey Bosa was thrown out on a early right, very very, very early, early. Yeah. and it ended up being the last game of his college career, and it was a bogus call. It was a bogus call, and there are countless other examples of that, and there are other there are also examples of targeting calls that get college the college football system is not perfect right they're missing things too and they're reviewing things and overturning things that or reviewing things and assuming intent and right. i just don't I, that's a bad assumption to make right and again i go back to to my original point is that let's say that you're just going to let's say that you are going to come out Roger Goodell the the commissioner who just signed a, a 5 year extension some people believe he could be part of the problem but he's around for five well, I think more years. He, I think he is part of the problem, to be honest with you. Well, I, I that's because, maybe another line of, because of there's, dialogue. Because there's so much subjectivity to this that no one knows what's right, what's wrong. But if you t- if you say, okay, I'm going to charge the referees in this league with determining intent, that's, that doesn't make the game safer. No, no, I agree with that. That just, gi- that just gives people more suspensions, more fines. Agreed. And this this isn't working. You know, I've, I'm not a parent, you're a parent. If you say, hey, I'm going to ground you for a week if you go out and do this, and they still continue to do it, and it's not really it, – these, they can't help themselves. Correct. There needs to be a different resolution here, or we just need to throw up our hands and say, this, is, is, never going to be, this right. is never going to be a safe game. It's never going to be a safe game. Yeah, and your choice is you either can play it and make a good piece of change if you're good enough, or you find another line of work. Again, no one's no one's putting a gun to your head to do it. It just it, it just the way I have to look at it. And, and the Mike Mitchell comments this week, and, and I'm not inclined to to say this, but Mike Mitchell's complete was completely correct Absolutely. in his comments. He was 100 percent correct. When people go on and say he's a bad guy, he's a good guy because he did this and he didn't mean to do this. When when people are out there pointing fingers, whether it's you or I or somebody on ESPN or whatever. You're determining intent, which we don't know, right. as you just mentioned. So there's there's a lot of layers to this. There's a Goodell layer to this. There's player intent. There's referees. There's all that. 
I think it's just one big I, I, steaming pile of there's I, nothing that can be yeah, done. Yeah, and I'll move on here, but I, I, I'm with you. I think you're at the stage if you throw your hands up at it and just say, look, this, this is what the game is. Either you like it or you don't. Unless, unless we're willing to go as far as, as taking helmets off or... Yeah, yeah, yeah that's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to craziness. You're, now, you're in crazy, now you're in crazy man land. Well, crazy man land could keep people safer. If that's, if that's what we're intending to do, that could make people safer. Get us a leather helmet and a pigskin from back in the day. <laughs> well, people aren't going to be inclined to lead, lead with their head if they don't have a helmet on. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, that's, just, that. that's just fair. Right, let's look back at the Bengal, Bengal loss to, to Pittsburgh. Um, I, I saw what you were doing. <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the drive before halftime was huge, just getting the three points. Um, and then they get the three and out and a touchdown. And it, it just felt at that point it started to slip away and slip away and slip away. Um, I know a national radio host this week made the point of the reason the Steelers won is they had Ben Roethlisberger and the Bengals had Andy Dalton. But let me just tell you, at 20-20, to 20, A.J. Green's a great player, Hall of Fame player in my opinion. I, don't even, I, I think if his career ended today, I think he's a Hall of Fame player. But on first down, 20-20, to 20, pass right over in the middle, 30-yard line, he drops it. I, I, I'm not pointing the finger that he's the reason they lost, but it's a big play. It's a big play at a big moment where you need your playmaker, and he's talked about him being needing the ball, got to make a play. You know, even at the very least, you get a first down there. You you maybe get a few more yards at the very least if you don't make another first down. And instead of Pittsburgh taking over at their own 42, they're taking over oh, back at their own 15. It's all butterfly effect. The tapestry of any game, there's so many plays. That Takes a little pressure off, make a first down play. Now Pittsburgh maybe is a little on their heels. I mean, there's, there's all those layers. Every, you know, everything has a has an effect. If, if he catches that ball, who knows? It, I, there are a lot of people... When I talked about the game on Tuesday with some people, they said as soon as Pittsburgh kicked that field goal right before half, I turned it off because I knew it was going to happen. People saw the writing on the wall with this team. This team has been plagued before. The Tennessee game, right. the field goal right before half. After Houston game, you have a chance to score. You have, Houston game, you had a chance to, to, to drive for the win in that game and don't do it. Right. The, the second half lull that this team has been in, which really was a fourth quarter lull yeah, do you in know, this game. Do you know in the two games against Pittsburgh this year, how many yards the Bengals had in the fourth quarter? Uh, single digits. Try negative four. <laughs> I want partial credit on that because yeah, negative good. four is a single yeah, digit. That's a good point. You're right. That's, <laughs> that's a good call. I did not think it was negative four, but that is that is incredible. And to me, I don't know why they abandoned the run game. Yeah, the only thing I can think of, and, and, and I asked A.J. Green that after the game. I mean, they had some bad field position, and they, they, they were looking at eight-man fronts. And I think they were trying to get a quick seven, eight yards on first down. I think that's where the pass to A.J. First down, right their own 12. He's wide open, drops the football. I think the drive before, I believe LaFell might have had a drop. So you had a couple right. of possessions there. And I get, what, I, I get what you're saying. But you're looking, Pittsburgh had decided at that stage, listen, we're going to put eight-man front up here, and we're going to force them to make a play. And, and maybe that's Pittsburgh just saying, I'm challenging you to do something you're not comfortable doing, which is make a play. Didn't make a play. Well, I, I – Because they ran it one time in the fourth quarter and got eight yards. It was the one – it was after, yeah. after the A.J. drop. They ran Bernard on a, on a little little draw. Yeah, and I, I just – I felt like the offensive line – Was doing a good job. Well, they were doing a great yeah. job. And, and this is a unit that we have that we have really not said very nice things about in, in, in uh, but the this podcast. Is, this, is, this is a decent stretch for this offensive line. It um, is. You know, they, they, they did some things late in the Denver game run-blocking-wise. You can go back and look at the numbers, and the numbers right. are awful. 26 carries for 49 yards. But they did put together a good late drive that got them, I believe, a field goal that ended up making it a two-score game and gave them a little bit of cushion. They chewed some time off the clock, got some first downs, gave the defense a little bit of a breather, forced you know forced Denver to have to, to, to be in a little bit of a hurry-up mode. 
Um, obviously, the Cleveland game, and, and again, you can laugh at it, but Cleveland's numbers against the run coming into that game were really good stopping the run. And in this game, um, both run blocking and, for the most part, pass blocking. You know, the couple of sacks, but look, Pittsburgh's going to sack people, and you're going to get sacked occasionally in this league. So. It's, it's easy It's easy to Tuesday morning quarterback, I suppose, on this game, but it, it did kind of mystify me the way they were running the football, that, that they abandoned it. I, I thought... I thought that offensive line was up to the challenge. I think at some point you've got to recognize what's going well for you in, in, a, in yeah. a certain game, even though you're backed up. Yeah, and I, I also wonder, you know, I think Brian Hill had gotten nicked up on special teams. You're already out mixing, so now you're down to one guy and, and maybe try to protect that guy. You don't want to run him three, four, five plays in a row. Again, I'm not looking for excuse. I'm not trying to right. make excuse. I'm just trying to give the thought process yeah. maybe a little bit here. And, again, when you're standing at an eight-man front and they're covering man on the outside – you're Andy Dalton, you're going to check to the pass, and rightfully so. And, and again, the first down play to A.J. Green would have worked for an 18-yard gain and a first down up at the 30. Good call. Perfect call. Perfect, you know, perfect everything other than one of the three best, three to five best wide receivers in the NFL had a rare drop. It happens. Can we talk about the Gio Bernard holding? That was a bad call. Oh. I, I know I got a lot of complaints on Twitter about a lot of the penalties. I didn't – the second Drake Kirkpatrick interference was iffy. But he was, it was pretty plain. He was holding his arm down. Now, the same thing happened to Josh Malone in the Cleveland game. They didn't right. call it. Again. Well, they called something. I mean. Right. They called the yeah. hit. They, but, but they didn't call the pass interference. So I get Bengals fans angst with that. But the first pass interference penalty, it's plain as day. I mean, he tackles Antonio right. Brown. It saved the touchdown probably. Second one was, I mean, he's holding his arm down. Yeah. There was an early, two calls that I thought were iffy. There was an early hold on Russell Bodine that wiped out a 19-yard run by Mixon. I didn't really see that. I thought that was a that was iffy, and the hold on Gio was was very iffy. I'm, I'm not going to lie about that. And that was a big play. It took a touchdown away. Yeah, I thought that was. A, I mean, absolute, it might have been a momentum killer. I thought that was a dreadful call. I mean, I just thought it was an absolutely dreadful call. And watching it on TV, but I think fans expect these guys to be perfect. And look, I, I know I know it's frustrating when it happens to your team in a game that right. you're dying for your team to win. I get that. Um, but they're not perfect. And, again, it may be one of those ones where on Monday, and I wish there was this was some transparency with the NFL with this, they come out and say, listen, missed that call. Okay, you're human. I, I, I coach basketball, and when an official comes to me and I complain about something and he tells me, coach, I think I missed that. Okay, you're human. I Thank you for telling me that. Don't don't be confrontational with me. If, if you, I think you missed it and you know you missed it, you missed it. You're human. I get it. I'm good with that. Yeah, that that's that's... 100% the way it should be. I can't imagine you ever getting in a referee's face. It doesn't really seem like your personality, new, but I'll new. take I'll take yeah, your word yeah. for that. Um, the the Le'Veon Bell, I thought he was out of bounds play. That was crazy. That, that, that one, and talking to William Jackson after the game, he gave a really good explanation. Who, I, who had a, a fantastic game. game. It's going to be great. He is going to be a great player. Um, I still think you could have two-hand shoved there, and it wouldn't have wouldn't have... Gotten you a penalty. He thought he was out of bounds. Thought, look, if I hit him out of bounds, I'm going to get a penalty. I, I do get that, and it is kind of funny to see how much he tiptoed to stay in bounds. I mean, Jordan Evans, can you get a little harder shove? Maybe is what it comes down to. But that was it, it's a good. For, I, I'll give you this. That was a great play by Le'Veon Bell to, to have the, the the thought process of I think I stayed in. I'm going to finish this play off right and doing it because as soon as he did it, I even said out loud, "Oh, that's a touchdown." And everybody around me is looking, going, "No," nah, I, because I, I had the field glasses on. I thought, "Man, he stayed in." And then, you know, you see the replay and you see William kind of pull up. And to his credit, I mean, he gave a – he at least tried to explain what, what why he did it. Um, you know, you can argue, well, still go ahead and shove him out, probably. But I think he was afraid he was going to get a penalty. It's – it's the, – the, the stars aligning 
for the linebacker and the cornerback <laughs> on that play to be Jordan Evans and William Jackson III, two guys that aren't very well-versed in this rivalry. Right. Two guys that if you replace... If that had been perfect, he would have just <laughs> he would have taken him across perfect the line. would have put him in the third row right, and right. fed him some popcorn. Yeah, that's a good point. Adam Jones would have put him in the 12th row. Correct. And got him, you know, a personal pan pizza. It's just that, that is just the, the thing that Bengals fans pull their hair out of their head about. Yeah, two, two essentially first-year guys, because William didn't play last right. year. Two first-year guys playing their second Bengals-Steelers game. <laughs> Thinking, oh my gosh, I, oh God forbid I get a penalty. Right. And it's like, oh my gosh, it just that that to me I think was just the, the cherry on top or, or the, you know... Maybe the anchovy on top yeah. of that uh, awful ice cream uh, Sunday that was that game for the Bengals. Just those little things that if it was somebody else there, they would have had no problem taking the 15-yard yeah, penalty. Absolutely. And they may have ended up scoring anyway. So that's yeah, you know, not necessarily what won or lost in the game, but just that moment yeah. was, was, was tough to watch. Um, the news of the week, obviously, is the John Ross issue where um, – uh, he is now out for the season due to a shoulder issue. It was very puzzling for fans. It got a little clearer uh, as we're recording this. I'm just back from talking with Marvin Lewis about an hour ago. Um, a handful of us were, were there, and he, he tried to explain you know, how this all transpired because on Wednesday at his press conference, roughly at noon, one of the final questions was asked about John and maybe suiting up, and he said, yeah, it looks like you know he's trending towards suiting up this week. And four hours later, he pops up being done for the season, being placed on injured reserve. Um, I did ask Marvin. He did go through the walkthrough yesterday. Um, then in the interim, and Marvin even, I, I, he was serious but a little jokingly, said maybe he got a little nervous that, that I talked about him playing. And John apparently has been fighting through this injury, hadn't really told anybody, um, decided in between the walkthrough, basically when Marvin's press conference was over and the start of regular practice um, uh, a little bit after that, about an hour after that, to go get an MRI and the MRI showed some damage, and that's when they decided to, to shut it down. Um, I know it, it made Marvin look a little foolish and clueless, but look, at the time he answered the question, the guy had just come through a walkthrough. No issues. He hasn't been on the injury report in quite some time. And I said, I even asked him, I said, was there an inkling somewhere recently? And he said, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Um, he said he kind of dove for a ball and couldn't really fully extend. And we talked to him, and he said, you know, he felt fine, blah, blah, blah. And, and um, you know, we didn't think anything of it. So, um, But he did say the doctor, I guess, in Washington, because he, he hurt his shoulder, he had surgery on the other side of his shoulder, said occasionally when that happens, you will have some issues on the, on the opposite side. He said that's probably where we're at. So I guess if there's a silver lining to this, it is that John Ross can get himself completely healed, get the surgery done now, get the issue taken care of now, um, and then – be ready as opposed to last year, be ready literally when, when OTAs begin into minicamp, into training camp. Because let's face it, he didn't have much of a training camp, didn't have OTAs, didn't have minicamp because of graduation rules and because of, of, of repairing, coming back from that, that, that labrum injury and suffered the knee injury in preseason. You know, hopefully all this is behind him and you look at this as simply a redshirt year. I know it's frustrating for Bengals fans. I'm getting ready to put a column up. It may be up by the time you're listening to this. You know, I know I've gotten so many tweets of bust, bust. You can't label him that. I, no. You can label it a disappointment. I'll give you that. That that part is fair. It is disappointing that the Bengals maybe didn't play him when he was healthy, or maybe maybe Marvin maybe Marvin knew and was protecting the kid. Maybe he knew he wasn't a hundred percent. It was that's why he kept scratching him these these handful of weeks. Um, I can label it a disappointment. I can't label it a bust until I see the kid really play an extended period of time. Right? 
I completely agree. I think best case scenario is he turns into next year's William Jackson the third. Right. Yeah, it's great. That's a great point. And you've got two first round, you know, whoever you take in this upcoming draft, and and Ross as you know another essentially another first round pick, which is what they had this year with with William Jackson the third. Worst case scenario is. A, an injured guy keeps getting injured, and he's at full speed, and then something else happens. Uh, the The Bears drafted a guy a couple years ago at wide receiver. I think he's from West Virginia. Kevin White. Oh, Kevin White. Oh, yeah, Kevin White. Yeah. He had a 1,000-yard year, and then all of a sudden injuries just started to pile up on him. And it just – he couldn't get on the field. He yeah, he was just... everybody's hot fantasy pick coming out of the one year. And That's right. Didn't he, I think he ended up getting hurt either in preseason, or at least before the season began. I hasn't been able to get on the field. So that's the spectrum. He has two catches for six yards this year, by the way, for the Bears. Oh. I thought he was out. All right. There he is. I'm looking at him right on the sheet. I I, I thought the same thing. But that also tells you that obviously he's still a a bang. He's not even on the roster right now. Right. So, but he's not, he's not a bust yet. But, and there is, there is precedent in both directions. There's, there's a guy who can, you know, potentially. He was was placed on injured reserve after the first week. So he started week one, had two catches for six yards, done for the year again. And, And he's had those issues for his career. So hopefully that that isn't the way the John Ross story goes. It's difficult I think to see, you know, I think I think in the past couple of years and I think we may have touched on this um in in previous podcasts, the wide receivers taken in the first round this year haven't blown people away. No, Corey Davis has started to come around a little bit. Right. But he, yeah. He's had some injuries. Mike issues. Williams Williams has had, they both have had some injury mm-hmm. issues. John Ross, obviously, the, the injury issues that he's had. I mean, go to the year before. I mean, Corey Coleman's battled injuries. Laquan Treadwell can't get on the field. Yeah, Doxon has had, Doxon's had some, ups and downs. He's had some drop issues. Some, some, so it's a risk. You know, it, it, the, way it is, the way it is bore out is that if you're going to take a first-round wide receiver talent in the past couple of years, it's, it's a risk. And the Bengals rolled the dice. And at this point, as you mentioned, it's a, it was a redshirt year for John. Uh, what I will say, and, and this may not necessarily matter, depending on what you think about Marvin Lewis's future, is he knew he wasn't ready to play. Correct. And and how long Ross has been and I, concealing and I, and this I, and, I, and I try to convey that point to people that, that just they, they, want, they, they think there's something bigger. No, he th- if a coach doesn't feel a guy is ready to play, you're not going to – do you think a coach – I want people to think the logic of this. Do you right. think if, if, if a coach had a player he thought could help win football games, that he wouldn't play him? Come on, don't, don't be stupid. I mean, no. if he thought he could help, he'd play him. Yeah, I mean, this isn't a this isn't a Bengals team with an embarrassment of riches at at, right. at the wide receiver position. I mean, Josh Malone has shown flashes. Sure, he hasn't flashes. blown the, the doors off anybody. Alex Erickson has had a he's what pretty he is. nice year. Yeah, he is what he is. His his ceiling, I think, we're close to it. Right. AJ Green is AJ Green. LaFell has had moments this year. He's had some big third down catches. He's been a serviceable veteran, but there's room for sure. John Ross no doubt. on this team. And there was room at the beginning of the year when we said what, how dynamic, if he is at 100%, how dynamic he could be for this offense. So, no, there's no reason why anyone should should look at, at Marvin Lewis with a side eye for not playing him. I think Marvin knew that there was something, whether he knew what the injury was or had an inclination or whatever, he saw on a weekly basis at practice that he wasn't he wasn't putting out. I mean, he wasn't ready to play, and it turns out that he wasn't because he was concealing an injury. Right. Let's talk about Marvin Lewis's future. It's probably not as good to be as head coach as the Bengals. He's, his contract runs out after the season. 
would be a miracle to make the playoffs. I think he would probably get another contract or at least offered one if he does take the Bengals to the playoffs, but that's about out of the, the equation. But I thought, uh, as we're recording this, it's just a couple hours after the Browns have, have moved on from Sashi Brown as general manager, keeping Hugh Jackson as head coach. Um, so they're in the market for a GM, and Tony Grossi of, of ESPN 850 floated the idea of, he, I think he even said, don't... Uh, Is he not with the plane dealer? No, both? No. He's oh, just, he's, okay. Yeah. He, he floated the idea of, of, he said, don't count Marvin Lewis out as, as a possible Browns GM. You know, it's an interesting fodder. I, you know, we've talked about, you, you've even brought up, do you think he would move into the front office here in Cincinnati? Um, and I've told you I don't. I mean, I think this is a, a clean-cut tie. See you later. But maybe this is the next evolution for Marvin Lewis. I, I, don't think, I don't think it's going to happen. I think if you're them, I'd sure as heck want to go with somebody with at least, I know Peyton Manning's name's been floated too, and I don't mm. know if that's going to be the idea of, of a way to go. I think they need somebody who's done this and done it right, and I, I, I don't know who that person is, and I, I don't really care because it's not a team I really cover. But the Marvin Lewis one is interesting because there is a dynamic, at least, as opposed to Sashi Brown and Hugh Jackson, who almost hated each other from the get-go, it felt like. didn't like Hugh didn't like the analytics guys and didn't like the way they were doing things. Um, I, I think your tweet was a great one today when when it was was talked about they haven't been talking for a month and yeah, you tweeted Mary, out Mary Kay Cabot yeah, reported and you you tweeted out mm, about the time that, that the AJ McCarron trade was botched. I had somebody float to me the idea of you know what maybe this maybe he did botch it and say you know what I'm getting fired I'm going to show you, my way was going to be the right way to do it and I'm going out with that and you can do what you want but I'm going to, I'm not making this deal and I'm going to figure out a way not to make this deal. I can see that. Yeah, I. I can see that too, as as far as Sashi is concerned for the Browns. Now he's gone, and and you know this rumor is is floated, and it is nothing more than a conjecture at this point. Yeah, or a right, rumor. right, right. There's nothing to it. Um, Tony's pretty plugged in, and, and he right. he floated it not so much as as a question as hey, this might be considered. It might be considered, and and you can connect the dots with 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 Hugh Jackson. I think Hugh Jackson, Jimmy Haslam. Had had a decision to make at the end of this year. He could have fired both and completely cleaned house and started over with two new guys. But if he didn't do that, he had a choice to make between Sashi Brown and Hugh Jackson. Correct. He decided, he and it likes, was pretty clear in the in the last couple of months that he was still on Hugh's side. Yes, by I far. Think, I think what we talked about with the McCarran trade is Haslam went to Hugh and said, "Do you think you can win with this guy? You've got my blessing if you think you can." And and I I I think there was sabotage in that no in doubt. that trade. So he sided with you. So now Marvin, I think the question becomes, what happens with Paul De Podesta mm-hmm. in that front office? Right. I don't think Marvin Lewis is going to be inclined to jump into a situation. Where there is a Paul De Podesta type person, don't disagree. Chief uh, Strategy Officer I, Marvin, I I, and I think that's going to be a tough sell. And I, I, I'm honestly interested in, in, in you know, I'm not. But, but, but uh, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in how the Browns think that they're going to, to, to marry this situation with. You get rid of Sashi, but you still have that analytics part. Mm-hmm. And you still have a coach Who that doesn't, doesn't believe like in analytics. So right. when the GM comes in and, and you talk to one guy over here who says, you know, the reports show if we get 17 second-round picks in the next 19 years that we're going to do this, and then you go to Hugh and he says, how about that idiot in the front office? 
How, who, who's going to take this yeah, job? No, if it's I, not Marvin, who's going to take it? I, I think that dynamic change. I, I, I think what they do is whatever. It, it would be somebody that he, he will have full autonomy, um, full decision-making with some input from Hugh Jackson. Obviously, Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson are still very tight. Coach with Hugh. All, Hugh coached for him. You know, if, if, if Marvin doesn't get retained by the Bengals, and I, it's almost 100% sure he's not going to get retained by the Bengals, He's not going to jump into another head coaching job in this league right away. But how about this for a golden parachute? Jumping into a GM position where, no, you can't go anywhere but up, right? I mean, you're at the stage with the Bengals where it, it felt like a failure, even though you overall you've had pretty good success. Not ultimate success right. and not as much as fans would have liked, and I, I get that. Right. But overall, you had pretty good success here, and now it feels like you know, you're kind of failing. This is where you can take this thing and take it and run with it, and, and I, I can I can see it. I do I think it's going to happen? I, no idea, but I, I could see it. I could I could certainly see it. Um, and I think the other the other point is is that are the Bengals ready to move on from Marvin Lewis? The writing on the wall says yes. Is Marvin Lewis ready to move on from the Bengals? I think that writing is on the wall too. I do too. I I, I, I agree think with he's. That. I think both sides are going to walk away. I, I think and he say, gave this season a full swing of the bat, and it. You're just. I mean, he was talking to us today. Was as bad as relaxed as I've seen him. Now he he's better sometimes with with four or five of us without cameras around. He's great with us for yeah. Bengals Nation. Yeah, but right. I just. I think he's just. He's just much more relaxed and and. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's you've hit that stage of, listen. Last two years just didn't work out through injuries and free agency and maybe some coaching. All those, I mean, a lot of things that, that have factored into it. And it's just time now. The clean break is—it's—it's it's a perfect clean break for both. And I, I think, um, I think, I think what gets lost is that it is a mutual. I think it, right. I, it will end up being a mutual thing, if if for no other reason than Marvin knows that the Bengals aren't going to re-sign him. He's Correct. made peace with it, and he's, yeah, right. he's okay with it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. He's He's got some connections with the league. He's on the competition right. committee. There may be a, a job. I don't think there's going to be a job in the in the front office with the Bengals for him. Um, I don't think that would go over very well. I know Mike Brown is a very loyal guy, but I don't think that they can bring him back in any capacity. Um, it, it's a question of whether or not – Maybe an Arizona State thing pops up for him next year. Yeah, Maybe he takes a year off. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, you I, could see I Herm Edwards doing that, but not him. No, that's a good point. I would have never seen Herm Edwards doing that either. <laughs> right. but, yeah. I, Maybe there. Maybe there's yeah. a you know a middling job in the Pac-12 or, Maybe. or somewhere where Lovey Smith. You know, he he did the same thing at Illinois where good he point. can cash a check for three years yeah. and try to. Go out on the road and recruit. Work himself back into the game, back and, in the NFL. I mean, imagine, imagine what would happen if 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 Rich Rod goes somewhere, and he and Marvin has a chance to go back to. He's got family in Arizona. Mm-hmm. That there could be a position like that potentially for him. Yeah. So, or maybe he goes, goes to, to Cleveland. The exactly. Front office. Uh, let's quickly preview this Bears game. We don't have to spend much time on it because it, it, it is a it is a bad Bears team. Um, no matter how you look at it, they they do run the ball pretty well. They average four point three yards a carry. Mitch Trubisky's taking care of the ball. He's only thrown four interceptions, but man, they are the king of the dink and the dunk. It is crazy. They're leading. Do you know their leading pass catcher on the year is without looking? Uh, I think I may have saw it. That's okay. Yesterday, uh, I can't remember his name. Well, it, it is. It is technically their backup running back, Tariq Cohen. Thirty-nine catches. Do you know who their leading wide receiver is? Is it Kendall Wright, who they got from uh, in, a, in a trade with Tennessee, has thirty-three for three seventy. They have no other wide receiver on the roster with more than 16 catches. 
I mean, this is like playing the Buffalo Bills that week. They played the Bills who had no, no wide receivers with even worse guys, uh, with no running game. And a rookie quarterback, um, Bengals, I think, find themselves a soft landing spot here. They're banged up. I get it. They're, you know, Drake they or Patrick probably isn't going to play. Up. Mixon's not going to play. Burfecht's not going to play. Sean Williams probably isn't going to play. Um, you know, you're down to, what, three corners? Because, uh, you know, Darquez Denard hasn't practiced, although I do think he plays. But you're Vinnie down Ray. to... Yeah, Vinny Ray's. I think he'll work as well. I think he will play. Okay. And he's been limited the last couple of days in practice. Um, but, no, this is a... this is a Bengals are banged up, no doubt about it. But this is a Bears team that is just... I, I think they're, they might be worse right now than the Browns. Mm. How about the last two weeks? They played at Philly and at home against the 49ers. Eight first downs in each game. Less than 200 yards offense. Oh, they're not good. No, I, I don't know, know they're if not you good. could say they're worse than the Browns, but they're they're uh, they're not very good. And I think it was earlier this year, Trubisky won a game where he only completed four passes, right. and it was only the third time in the last fifteen years. And it was the Panthers with uh, Chris Winkie, the Broncos with Tebow, and 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 uh, Trubisky, and all three teams were coached by John Fox. <laughs> I mean, this is a. This is a a team that this is a coach who is out the door. Yep, you know they're not going to bring him back. This is a team in transition. This is a team that's bad. I mean, you want to talk about sort of what are you doing? Is signing Mike Glennon to yeah whatever deal they did, and then being in a position to get an impact player defensively or anywhere, or anywhere else. else? Yeah. And you end up taking Trubisky, which may not, in the long run, end up being a bad move. But it's just, does the left hand know what the right hand's doing when you when you sign Mike Glennon to this ridiculous deal, and then you go out and draft a quarterback? What's yeah. the point? Yeah, and 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 uh, add injury to insult. And yes, I did say that's the right way to add injury to insult. Their best offensive lineman, probably Kyle Long, three-time Pro Bowler, just got put on injured reserve this week. So, and he was playing hurt. Yeah, right. I mean, and, right. And with a shoulder issue. Yeah, he was he was playing hurt, and he was gutting it out for this team. Uh, you know, I think they mercifully said, you know, this is take the rest of the year off, guy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, defensively, I think the Amos kid from Penn State is a good player. Um, they've got a guy on the defensive line who's got. Close to, I think, like eight sacks, something like that. So they've got some guys who can at least, you know, keep the fight alive with this, you know, the monsters of the midway. But uh, this is a great game for the Bengals to play right now because, yeah, I mean, this is landing spot. Brutal. I'll go Bengals 20. I was going to say three to two. That would have been more fun. <laughs> I'll go 24 to seven. Mike Nugent does make an extra point. Coming Mike back. Coming Nugent. Back. Uh,. Here's is this his second team this year? He was on Dallas? Technically his third because he was with the Giants in preseason. Oh, right. lost the kicking battle. Then, then when Dan Bailey got hurt, he was with the, with the Cowboys. And now he's with the Bears. Uh, I, I think the Bengals win this one. What did you say? 24-7. 24-7. I'm going to say 20-3. to All right, fair enough. So Nuge makes a field goal. Nuge, Nuge connects. All right, how about that? Or Trubisky does a drop kick on third and 15. <laughs> Be even better. 35, yeah. All right, it's time, though, for our three-team seven-point teaser of the week, where I now have won a second one. After last week, I had the Dolphins plus eight won outright. Had the Titans down to uh, actually getting a half a point, won by double digits thanks to the Derrick Henry touchdown run. And had the Bengals getting 12 and a half, never sweated the cover, Jed. <laughs> sweated a lot of other things, but never sweated the cover. So I now have two wins. You, on the other hand, I warned you about Buffalo at you home did. against New England. Took a huge L. 
I warned you about Cleveland. Oh, wait a minute. They did cover the 21 against the Chargers. Yeah. And you had uh, Seattle, Seattle getting 12.5 at home against Philly, and I, I like that that part of the play. Yeah, they, they went out right. Yep. And, and the thing about that Buffalo game, because the Bengals weren't playing, I had an opportunity to watch a lot right. of different games right. on Sunday. They that backdoor cover was right, was right, right there, right for the picking. The one yard line gets hurt. Yeah, they're at the one yard line too. Just a just a brutal, brutal beat. Fourth on and that. one couldn't get in for you. So I'm 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 backs against the wall here. We're running out of weeks. I've got I got to figure something you got out. One, right? I got one. All right, and that seems like last year at this point. So I got to get back in the mix. All right, I'm going to let you go first then. All right, I think Seattle's starting to starting to feel themselves a little bit. I think they got a big win at home. I think this is going to propel them. I'm going to take them plus 10 at Jacksonville. Jacksonville, when they win big they're, games... They're starting to make a believer of me, but it feels like... You're, I know what you're about to say. is is You start to have that feeling, and they somehow backslide. Well, and and if they end up winning this game, I, I just don't see them winning by double digits. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see them winning by double digits. Kansas City's on the ropes. They started out gangbusters, and now there are three teams in the uh, AFC West that are 6-6. Six and six. Oakland goes to Kansas City this week. I'm going to take them plus 11. I don't think either one of these teams is good enough to win by double digits. All right, all right, so I'm going to take 11 and Oakland. Oakland's back in the mix. They're feeling good about themselves. They, you know, There was a point in time and when you looked at it and said there's no way that they could make the playoffs, and now they're right in the thick of it. Yeah, very much. And, and Kansas City, they desperately they're need They're in free win. fall. That was one of the most ridiculous stat games against the Jets. Oh, it was absurd. Kansas City had the ball for 17 minutes. And and the Jets only had 15 more total yards. Crazy. Talk about chunk the plays. The Jets ran like 85 plays. One of the most unbelievable games. Jets ended up winning that game. My last one, I'm going to take Philly. I think they got smacked in the mouth a little bit. I'm going against my darling L.A. Rams. Philly is plus nine at L.A. They're staying out on they. They stayed, stayed out, out right. They stayed out on the West Coast, so they're not an East Coast team traveling west um, this week. They stayed out there. I think plus nine is is a good number. So you're going three road teams. I'm going three road teams that are getting close to double digits in each one. All right, I'm going the exact opposite. I think I'm going with with, with mostly homers here. All right, I'm going to go with first and foremost the Bengals at home. They're laying six and a half. I take them down to basically a pick. I I feel pretty good they're going to beat the Bears, so I'm taking them. I'm taking the the Chargers um, at home. Cleveland game. Bothers me a little bit, but they still won comfortably, right? And they're on kind of a roll, taking on Washington, going going east to west. Um, that, that can sometimes be a difficult thing to do, and I'm just asking them again. I think they're getting a point based on this. I think they were laying six, so I'm getting one. Need them to win the game. I feel good about that. And the Steelers at home, coming off Monday night, a lot of times the Monday night team that wins is the team to play against the next week. It just somehow works out. The line's right. usually wacky, but I can manipulate the line with the teaser. So I'm taking the Steelers from minus five to getting two in this three-team seven-point teaser at home against Baltimore. Um, I, I don't see the Steelers losing a a, a, a game um, at home against a division rival at this time of the year. I just don't see it. So I'm going Bengals, Chargers, Steelers. Yeah, I like all three. I think I, I almost think the play in that Steelers-Baltimore game is to take the 12. With Baltimore. No, see, I think they could house them. I think they could get up by a touchdown I don't think that, that's never a house. That game is never a house. I, 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 it's the same I'm principle. Just, I, I don't believe in Baltimore. Maybe that's right. where I – and I'm, I've been stuck on that since the start of the year that I just don't think they're very good. I think it's the same principle why you took the Bengals plus 12.5. 
against the Steelers yeah, good the previous point. week. That, that those games at home. Yeah. always yeah. always find a way to, to be close. But I, I like I like all three. All right, games. we'll see how it goes. All right, what do we got coming up on, on local twelve? Well, we've got. Uh, thank. I want to publicly thank Chris Smith for really picking it up and running with it last night on Bengals Nation. John Ross is our scheduled guest. Obviously, there was a lot going on yeah. with him yesterday. And uh, Chris Smith at the very last minute. Also want to thank Carlos Dunlap, who we got in touch with. Carlos Dunlap is one of my favorite people on this planet because we called him, and he said he couldn't do it, but he said he would find someone. So he called. He nice. ended up calling Chris right. Smith and, and getting it done for us. So that was much appreciated. Bang- that Bengals Nation will air on Saturday. We've got every Wednesday night the Moorline Lager House. Uh, be sure to come down. Great uh, food and drink and get Bengals autographs. We've got a couple other. AJ McCarron is, is coming down. I think we're going to try to get Carl Lawson as well. Adam Jones is scheduled to appear in the final few weeks, so that's always fun. We'll have you on the Sports Authority on Sunday, breaking down the Bears game, Bears and Bengals. Uh, yeah, and we'll, do it, all, and we'll do it all over again. We'll be right back at this podcast next week. There you go. How about that? Also, you can uh, make sure you catch our college basketball podcast. Rick Boring from Musketeer Report, Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal, and myself each and every Wednesday, and we're going to go to twice a week coming in, in January once we get into conference play. So be sure to check that out at local12.com and also on SoundCloud. For Jed Demusey, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for listening to today's Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition.